This podcast is brought to you by Fandango. Fandango offers movie tickets and gift cards to over 45,000 different screens across the United States and reaches into nearly 80% of the nation's total theaters. By partnering with virtually every leading film exhibitor like Regal, Cinemark, AMC, and more. So to pick up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life, head on over to cityweekly.com slash Fandango or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. Hello, uh, this is Sylvester McCoy. Uh, you're listening to Who Made Who and uh, Me Made Me. And uh, my mother and father did the same. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. It's a brand new episode of Who Made Who, Cinema Geekly's Doctor Who podcast. It's Anthony Lewis and Ben Knight. We're back to talk more Series 12. It's Episode 7. It's called Can You Hear Me? And uh, an improvement, I think, over last week. Uh, Although not if you ask the Appreciation Index score. Mm -hmm. It is the same as last week's, although I thought this episode was showed a a marked improvement in, in many ways. Uh, the doctor drops off her companions back home where they simultaneously begin to experience supernatural events. Graham sees the visions of an imprisoned girl telling him to find her while Ryan witnesses a mysterious figure, uh, figure causes friend to vanish. And Yasmin sees an unfamiliar woman while remembering a past event. Back in the TARDIS, the doctor receives a signal from 14th century Aleppo, which that's probably a new one for her. Uh, Hmm. where she meets a young woman named Tahira, who is suffering from mental health issues. Following their strange experiences, the companions contact the doctor about what happened, so she uses Graham's visions to track the source of the nightmares, which are apparently now nightmares instead of just visions. Uh, They are led to a ship in the future, piloted by a mythical immortal named Zelen. Unbeknownst to the Doctor, Zelen knocks out the companions and Tahira. He then uses the Doctor's instincts to free the imprisoned girl, revealed to be another immortal named, what is it, Rakia? Rakia? Mm, yeah, something like that. Rakia. Rakia? Rakia. 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 Well, <laughs> should have read this paragraph before uh, starting this, but... Th- if this isn't typical Doctor Who fashion, I don't know what is. Eventually, the Doctor saves the companions and returns to Earth. That's it. Uh, oh, Yasmin repays an old debt she made to a police officer she met three years ago. Uh, part of the vision. The 50p bet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I love that it's like they met some immortals, there's another immortal, things look bleak, and then the doctor won. The end. Ooh, and there was a big wolfy thing. Yeah, yeah. they trapped they trapped the yeah. There was a big wolfy thing that was in the nightmare of Tahira, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was something mm-hmm. her mind created. Uh but yeah, they tra- they essentially instead of uh f- they Zelen used the doctor to essentially fool the doctor into freeing the other god, but then uh at the end of the episode they trapped both of them. Uh along with the wolf thingy, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Uh all all in that little uh sphere in between planets that were colliding. Uh which was actually a really cool visual uh as well. But uh, regardless, Ben, what did you think of this episode? And also, there was a, a the teeniest, tiniest of threads connecting the bigger story all together, uh, and we should probably talk about that. What did you think of this episode? So, episode, um, I I actually enjoyed this episode way more than is fashionable, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that, um, in fact, I so much so I went back and watched Enlightenment, which is the um, the 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 episode which these bad guys appeared uh, in previously in classic who so sort of 83 84 i think mm-hmm. uh, so peter davison era um which was all about uh, i mean these these eternals are a pain in the ass because yes. what they do is they spend their time um going around causing bother really for their own amusement um a, a yacht race uh, in space, yacht race in space. Back in uh, <laughs> the uh, episode Enlightenment, um, and obviously now this. Uh, this episode had a little bit of experimental stuff about it. The, the little animation bit, which I thought worked, it reminded me a bit of um, a sequence from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. But other than that, uh, it was mm-hmm. a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, the the wolf was completely unnecessary, but uh, you know, I guess I had one lying around in the props department. Yeah. So, <laughs> leaving like what's left in the middle of this, you've actually got a reasonably solid episode mm-hmm. of um, uh, of a, a good balance between the sort of things going on in the heads of not just the Doctor but each of the companions. Yes. Um, you know that where Bradley Walsh, um, uh, gosh, we've travelled a long way, uh, is concerned that he's going to be able to carry that off. We know that uh, Toshin Cole can um, be present, although that's pretty much all he really managed in this episode. Yes, uh, I actually thought his mate was a more interesting character than him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mandip Gill, I, I thought, was fantastic as uh, as Yasmin in this episode. Yep. Um, the the story itself, uh, yeah, I, it's odd actually because um, Ian Gelder, who you will. Uh, C played um, Zelen. You may, if you, if it's been annoying you, incidentally, who he is, uh, you may remember him as uh, Kevin Lannister from Game of Thrones. Ah, um, yes, where yes. he was every bit as sinister and hammy as he was in this. Yes, um, he was also in Torchwood, incidentally, as well in uh, the oh. Children of the Earth uh, serial. Mm-hmm. He was a uh, Children of Earth, rather. Uh, he was Decker, or Mister Decker. Um, yeah, he he was unnecessarily hammy and and awful in this, which is kind of why you book him, I think, for stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, who I did enjoy, and I'd really like to see more of her doing other stuff, was the slightly complicatedly named Claire Hope Narke Ashite. Yeah. Just a little. Um, yeah, I'm gonna try to write uh, that down. Yeah, she's um, Rakea from uh, from this episode. She she was only in it for a fairly short period of time, and. Yeah. 
the rationale for her character was sketchy, but then the rationale of the Eternals is pretty sketchy anyway, or the Guardians, the Eternals. Yes. Um, it, it's all a bit, eh. But the her performance in that short period of time was really quite um, quite sort of captivating, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, an episode called Can You Hear Me? I thought should have more Barbara Streisand, but what can you do? <laughs> uh, the, th- thank you, you and two other people listening to the show who understood that. Uh, and um, I don't really see any other explanation for the audience appreciation index than the fact that um, yet another episode where people are attacking the fact that it has some sort of message. People who clearly don't understand science fiction or Doctor Who are complaining that um, this science fiction show, familiar uh, as it is for having lots of messages involved in it, contained messages. Um, The The mental health storyline, absolutely. The mental health storylines I thought were kind of mediocre in terms of how they were done. Mm -hmm. What I didn't like, and the reason that it's got so much abuse over here is the uh, from Graham's dream. He remembers, um, well, he's having a dream about Grace, who you may remember right from the start of the last season where yes. um, uh, she she pops her clogs. But um, he gets told by her in his nightmare that he's got his cancer back again. Yes. And, um, and he tells the Doctor uh, about, you know, this was... Um, yeah, this is what he was frightened of and so on. Mm-hmm. And her response is basically to say, oh, I'm socially awkward. I just can't really think of anything useful to say, but I know I'm supposed to say something. Anyway, I'm going to walk over to the control panel now. And um, When I have something to say, I will let you know. Yeah, yes. or think about what I should have said or something like that. Yeah. And people are saying, oh, you know, it's not consistent with the Doctor's character and the Doctor is a you know great speechifier and philosopher, and which, you know, on some subjects, the Doctor absolutely is, mm-hmm. but not on all. And actually, the Doctor is... Quite, there's plenty of precedent for the Doctor avoiding awkward or difficult conversations, especially that, finality and mortality, of which very the Doctor much has so. none. Yeah, yeah, because has you know a limited or certainly a very different understanding of it. So a lot of the grief that um, that this episode got, and it really did get a lot of grief. So much so the BBC had to respond to um, actual complaints. There are people who spent time. Emailing the BBC, I mean, just wow. just then, yeah, uh, to complain about this, uh, they they issued a response and um, they basically said, you know, uh, in fact, I'll give you the quote: "We never set out to upset our viewers with what we show, and this episode tackled some sensitive themes. The episode used dreams and nightmares to explore the inner lives of the companions. Thanks to Zelin's nightmare powers, Ryan, Yaz, and Graham were forced to confront their worst fears, many of which relate to the way traveling with the Doctor has changed their lives." When Graham opened the, uh, up to the Doctor about his fear of his cancer returning, her response was never meant to be dismissive. The Doctor's friend was scared, and we see her struggling to deal with the severity of the situation. The intention of the scene was to acknowledge how hard it can be to deal with conversations on the subject matter. When faced with these situations, people don't always have the right words to say at the right time, and this can often lead to feelings of guilt. By showing the Doctor struggling to find the right words, the intention was to sympathise with all of those who may have found themselves in a simple, uh, sorry, in a similar position. Uh, yes. We hope that this has helped address your concerns, but please be assured your feedback has been raised with the program's executive producer. So that's the BBC's response uh, to this complaint that this was insensitive. Yes, like people can write and complain, and I'm sure Chibnall will have, um, you know, filed that in an appropriate way. 
don't know what that would be. Yeah. Um, but really, BBC viewer. I mean, really? I feel like the last least socially awkward doctor was maybe Tennant. And yeah. I'm not saying he wasn't socially awkward, but he was the least. Since him, like Matt Smith, very awkward. Uh, yeah. Capaldi in a different way, but he was more standoffish. Uh, you know, geez, I, I'm sitting here trying to think of like if Capaldi was the doctor here and Graham told him about it. I half a mind to think that he'd be like, you know, get over it. <laughs> like, Yeah, I think he'd be way, way worse. Uh, he'll be fine. Uh, you know, this doctor is just continuing that trend of a bit of social, social awkwardness and not, you know, taking something that's very heavy, but mm. trying not to let the scene sit in the heaviness, trying to maybe lighten it a little bit while also staying true. Like, I actually like that scene. Uh, I thought it brought a, just a pinch of levity but also mm -hmm. made sense to me. Like the doctor doesn't know anything about, you know, how, how can you speak with any authority on, you know, I'm worried this thing that I can't stop is going to come back and it's going to end my life. Like the doctor can't speak to that type of, you know, there's no authority there. The doctor has lived mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of years. And if the doctor is going to die, it'll just turn into somebody else and keep yeah. living. Uh, it's difficult for the doctor to relate to that. It makes sense that she would be even more awkward in that scene. I don't think she was being dismissive. I think they were trying to maybe add in a, maybe, maybe that's where people really got put off is that I think they did try to give it a little bit of levity. So it wasn't such a heavy scene, mm. uh, but maybe people were yeah, like, no, there, there must be no well, levity can we, here. Can you imagine if there had been um, a sort of big speechify response to that? Then the issue would be, oh, why is Doctor Who yet again pushing its agenda down? Yeah, you know, it would be. I mean, I'm surprised that there wasn't more backlash about the the scene of you know the men sat around talking about their feelings in a room. God, BBC, yes. get out! You know, it's ugh. just honestly, wait. people just need to just get D a grip, dude. If the doctor started talking about Graham's medical issues, you know somebody would be like, look at them pushing this political agenda, talking about the National Health Service. Uh, yeah, absolutely. They'd, fi they'd find oh. some way to do it. I, I, I don't know, Graham. Did you make sure that when you were a kid, you didn't have all those vaccinations? Because I've heard that they can cause cancer. I mean, <laughs> it could have gone the other way. I mean, that wouldn't have been good. You got Graham sitting in the corner saying, "Like, oh, I wish I had voted for Remain." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines. They promised well, unlike us the three... people of South Yorkshire. Yeah, <laughs> their tea's not even from there. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, what was the scene? You're going to have to remind me now. Cause I, I told it to you, but in all honesty, I don't remember what it was. What was the scene where it, our tiny little thread to the, to the bigger story. I can't even find it in the so, longer, the, the longer okay. plot. That's really so whilst good. the doctor is all um, trussed up like flash Gordon in the, um, massively erotic scene from the eighties movie, <laughs> yes. um, though somehow less erotic in this scenario. Yes. Uh, she is also subjected to the detachy finger um, uh, creepy dreams um, The dream device. stick, yes. 
yeah, let's call it that. You got my finger in your ear. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, one of the flashbacks, it starts to open up the 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 history of the the, the vision or whatever that she's had previously mm-hmm. about the child and yes. um, uh, and so on. So we don't really get any massive revelations from it, save for the fact that there is something the doctor is carrying around um, yes. in her head that relates to. Um, the, the the big child arc of uh, of this season. So mm-hmm. we, I, I don't know. I mean, it was a simple reminder that things are going on in the biggest. Yeah, scale. and that's okay. Yeah. Like I didn't need a big revelation, but I, I saw that and I'm like, thank you. That's that's. Could you have done that last week too? Like just a, a little thing that just reminds us that there's a big thing going on, and that mm. the doctor isn't just like pushed it aside and forgotten about it like it doesn't exist. Um, yeah. Especially since it was so interesting when they set it up. Uh, I uh, yeah. I really liked I really liked the episode. Uh, I thought this was a, a big improvement over uh, Praxius last week. Uh, mm-hmm. So there was um, and I like o- outside of all of that uh, I I think the thing I probably enjoyed the most was the the stuff at the end of the episode. I liked the the scene with Graham and and the Doctor, and uh, I really liked the. Uh, I I mean, there was a, there's a moment where Ryan and and Yaz talk about the impact of everything that they've done on their lives, and I liked the the story we got about uh, Yasmin and the and the police officer. Uh, like how yeah. she sort of like helped change her life around. Uh, and she went back to, to thank her and she's like, you might not even remember me. And of course she remembered her. Uh, I, I liked all of that stuff. Uh, and then in the end of the episode was also kind of just had some of that, uh, doctor who charm as well, where they're just like, we're going to go see Mary Shelley. See you next week. Uh, you know, one of the, you know, it's like the Titanic crashing into the, the TARDIS. Uh, what? <laughs> that's what? the thing. What? what? Uh, Although not the first time the Doctor has met Mary Shelley. Oh, has that happened in a in a previous in- incarnation Num- of, of who? Uh, number eight, I believe. Ah, uh, yeah. So the fact that it's eight will tell you most likely that's going to be an audio episode, uh, mm-hmm. but but definitely um, canon because yes. Mary Shelley was a companion of number eight. As in actual full-on companion of um, uh, everyone's off-screen, although now on screen, I suppose, Doctor. Yeah. Um, I cannot remember what the name of the episode is at all um, that starts all that, but yeah. So it'll be interesting to see whether we get any nods here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have a view about this. I I really do think that we've now um, adequately embraced eight into um, canon. For television, yes, um, I, I think the the fantastic mini episode with him and um, Claire Higgins, uh, mm-hmm. I think you know, I think that absolutely bridged the gap. Yep. So, whilst I'm not expecting to see him in this episode, I would like to hear a solid reference to it. You know, yeah. I mean, we were we were begging, I think, during the the Capaldi run, even like we just love that so much, just mm. like put him in you know do like a two doctors episode or something like he can still do it like he looks 
good still. Like, you know, he really does. Yeah. Bring him in. Like, let's do it. And they, they haven't pulled the trigger on it. And I, I, it seems unlikely that they're ever going to, but, uh, but how are you going to do? I mean, Mary Shelley literally is eight's companion for a while. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see if they acknowledge that at all. Well, I was going to say, they're going to have to acknowledge it. Surely. Yes. We, Um, we shall see. You see, this is where we also need, um, in fact, actually, a little um, birthday shout out as well, actually, mm-hmm. to Brandon McCaffrey, uh, actor and birthday boy this week, mm-hmm. uh, but also um, probably the pr- probably the biggest Hoovian nerd I know, at least one of two anyway, um, who is so utterly, utterly um, balls deep in the big finish. Uh, oh, yes. Shows that, yeah, I mean... I suspect he will probably message the show at some point after hearing this to comment on um, exactly why I've got everything wrong that I said about Murray Shelley. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I would, uh, I'd be very disappointed if there wasn't some nod in that direction now that um, 8 is sort of in from the cold. Mm-hmm. Direct your angry letters to cinemageekly at gmail.com. Care, just text me. Care of Ben Knight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, no, he'll just text me. Like, yeah. okay, here, uh, it's like three texts, 50 yeah. things that you got wrong. Uh, Although the thing you'll be angry about is the fact that I said that um, if you're, I, oh, you see, I was going to, oh, damn it, I was going to say if you're in, and I can't remember where, but anyway, on the 29th of October to the 2nd of November and want to go and see Blood Runs Deep with him and Anthony Costa from off of Blue, was that the boy band he was in? I don't know. Anyway, then you could <laughs> go see that. He's in that and does those things that's the worst plug anyone ever did right that's uh that's up there for us and we've got yeah, a we've got a high bar cool. yeah we got a high bar yeah. for bad plugs especially things i think it was october last year <laughs> <laughs> that's an even a worse plug <laughs> i'm so sorry Brandon. that may have been last year so don't get I'd your tickets <laughs> no don't get your tickets they're worthless tickets not available nope uh <laughs> Uh, okay, so final thoughts on uh, on this week's episode. What would you give it? Uh, actually, I enjoyed it. As I say, I I think it's worth three and three quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people who place this seventh in the list of available live airing shows uh, last last Sunday in the UK, at least, I don't understand what else you were watching because I've looked at the other programs that were on. And I can't weirdly I can't figure out which six are above it because of the way I'm looking at the display. Um, but all of them are garbage. I do not know what you were watching. <laughs> just, it's got no competition, everyone. It really didn't. Does it, does it go up I against? Some... Does it go up against like oh. football or anything like that? Or oh, says, uh, there might have been. Some, apparently, a Mrs. Trellis of North Wales was having some friends around to watch some home videos. So maybe that was in <laughs> took away from the that. audience. I don't know. Yeah, could could have been hard to say. No, I've no idea. Very weird. Uh. Okay, so yeah, I, I really like the episode too. I forgot that we could dive into the the quarter marks, so I'm going to go three and three quarters as well. Um, I, I, I was thinking about maybe leaning a soft four. It's not quite a four, but it's mm. a really good episode, I thought. I, I, I really enjoyed it, and maybe it was just the, just the th- including the thread of the bigger story was enough for me to just enjoy it a little bit more, made me feel like... Yes, this is all happening at once, and we've not forgotten about it. It's still happening. Uh, we'll see if that trend continues in the next episode. 
uh, or not. I mean, we're close to the we're close to the finale. There's uh, mm-hmm. after after this uh, this coming episode, uh, the two after that are the uh, finale, the two part finale episode. So one quick question about the weirdest scene in this episode, which I'd forgotten until literally just the second. Yes. So it's whilst the doctor is um, restrained, so she's got her hands cuffed above her, mm-hmm. as they all have. And using a bit of jiggling around and a complete refusal to obey the law of physics, or yes. laws of physics, the Sonic gets out of her pocket and up at a, an angle that changes whilst it's traveling toward yes. her hand. Yes, that yeah. was really weird. What was that about? I mean, you know, lucky bounce, I guess. I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and no also idea. the other thing I'd forgotten how good Tahira was by the way I don't know the name of the um, actress yeah. yeah she was she, she was, was very good, good. yes mm. uh, I thought for sure when you said that people were going to be upset about this episode that it would be the doctor referring about like the talking about like the golden age of like learning and education is coming from the Middle East or something like that uh, oh there is probably an article somewhere about that <laughs> It's going to be in the Express or the Daily Mail here, I guess. So, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, everyone knows that that's not true. Uh, the British invented that as well. Uh, the golden yeah. age of science and education. Math- yeah. Mathematics and the written word. Uh, and then b- uh, bald men in white linen suits went and... Tra- oh, hang on, we've crossed the streams a bit here. Hang on, yes. We've gone into the other podcast. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. clears throat> uh, all right, so that's the episode for this week. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the show. And, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for Who Made Who. Hit subscribe. That way you can come back next time and hear us talk about more Doctor Who Series 12. It's Episode 8, and it's called The Haunting of Vila Diodati. <laughs> <laughs>